It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. You could also hear us on various podcast platforms. He's Jeff Eagles. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we will recap an actual football game as yeah. week one of the NFL season is in the books. Giants fell to the Steelers on Monday Night Football 26-16. to So a lot to unravel in terms of the offense, defense, and special teams. We'll break it all down. We'll get to your phone calls as well at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Can't get to the phones. You can tweet at us as well. Hashtag Giants Chat. You can also go directly to us on Twitter. I'm at Lance Meadow. One word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Jay Fiegels. Jeff, looking forward to the next 60 minutes. Yeah. I know we were on the airwaves recapping the game last night as yep. part of the Giants Radio Network postgame show, but looking forward to doing it in a little bit more greater detail today. Yeah, I think we'll get definitely get into greater detail. Um, but, you know, hey, a lot of exciting things happened last night. Some good, some bad, some ugly. Um, and looking forward to spending the next hour with you and the callers, Lance. So uh, appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's start with what I consider to be the two big turning points of the game, Jeff. And that really was on the offensive side of the ball. The first thing is the Steelers gave the Giants a gift right off the bat when Deontay Johnson muffed the punt. So the Giants are taking over right on the goal line, essentially. You have a first and goal and the inability to punch it in. That was a missed opportunity. And then the second missed opportunity, of course, later in the game, second half, third quarter, they put together by far their most impressive drive of the game. 19 plays, 87 yards. Once again, knocking on the door right Right near the goal line, Daniel Jones on a second down, unfortunately holds on to the ball too long, doesn't throw it away, gets hit by Bud Dupree, ball goes up high in the air, Cam Hayward, easy interception, and the Giants have only three points between both of those opportunities. Yeah, I mean, and again, we talked about this team from the beginning, even before the season started, that this offense is going to have to put some points up on the board because we didn't really know what the defense was going to give you, right? Well, listen, I think if you if you take those two plays and the Giants get into the end zone, um, this is a whole different ball game. And but you know you can't, so you got to learn from these. And I think that um, you know there were some. I don't know what went down on that miscommunication between Ingram and. And uh, Daniel Jones in that situation, that pass, I know that he kind of just stopped, and it looked like uh, Daniel Jones thought he was going to be more going more towards a, a, like a route. Um, so it just kind of misfired there. But you know, listen, the, the Steelers handed them a gem right there, and yeah. you know, could have went up ten nothing. Um, and that's a good good point to be in, place to be in. The other one is, you know, that drive. And we went over this last night in the post game show. Nineteen plays, eighty seven yards. I think the what what comes out. To me, what sticks out is that the ability for this team to overcome um, some of the mistakes that they made, and you know, leading up to that, and but you know, they couldn't punch it in. But I, I do look at some of the, you know, the glasses half full. They they converted a third and fourteen, a third and one, a third and five, a third and six, a third and three, and a fourth and one um, to extend those drives, and I think that's something to be excited about. Um, and really, you know, you just kind of look at that that whole thing. You get nothing out of it, uh, and that's hard to take, but. You know, I think that Daniel Jones is going to learn from this. I think this whole team will learn from those two things. But certainly those were two of the bigger bigger points of the game. 
Well, to your point, four of five on third down on that 19-play <laughs> drive. So that is certainly an encouraging takeaway. Plus, the third down efficiency was much better, Jeff, in the second half versus the first half. First half, they were just one of six. Mm-hmm. A lot of third and longs. They had a third and 27 and a third and 18. And part of that was the inability to run the ball, which we'll touch sure. on in a little bit, as well as a few procedural false start penalties. So you never want to be put in a precarious spot like that, having to play catch-up, because that's what haunted the Giants in previous seasons. But your point is well taken about the efficiency of third down. Second half, they were 7 of 9 on third down. But I want to piggyback off of your larger point. I put it to the equivalency of in baseball, Jeff at bats. And what jumps out to me is the Giants only had three possessions in the second second half. half, Right? One of those three possessions took nearly nine minutes off the clock. And when you know you're only going to have three possessions, they clearly didn't know that at the time, but let's look at it. Big picture perspective. You only have three possessions. You have to be able to capitalize on each and every one of those possessions when you're playing from behind. And that's why that drive was so costly because you only had then two possessions after that. You wound up having a three and out. And then, of course, you scored the touchdown. But at that time, the Steelers are in prevent defense. So it was so significant because it took so much valuable time, Jeff, off the clock and you have nothing to show for it. Yeah, and at the point that's third quarter, it's 16 to 10. Um, yeah. The game is very, very close. I mean, they punch it in there um, and get a touchdown, an extra point. It's 17-16. Uh, I think there might have been maybe five minutes left in the third quarter at that point. And, uh, you know, now you got a whole different ball game. Um, but, yeah, when you don't have that many possessions, uh, two things. One, you're taking the ball away from your opponent, which is a good thing on a long drive like that, 87 yards. Um, but you got to come out with points. And if you don't, um, you just you're delaying the inevitable. You know, so you're down 16 to 10 with zero. You didn't score anything there. Um, And then, you know, your defense is sitting there waiting to go back on the field in the same same score that they they took the team off the field when you took it for 87 yards and got nothing. So it's important that they get some some not only the possessions when they only have three, you got to get points out of there. You're you're spot on spot on. you know, I didn't. I don't. I want to bring this up, but I, I do want to bring this up, and I, I think I, I don't know when I wanted to bring it up, but I'll do it now. You know, there was a play in this game early in the first quarter, um, basically the series after the uh, the punt. You know, the fumbled punt where the Giants got three points. Um, there was a situation where on third, on, there was a fumble that was. You know, Daniel Jones went back to throw, and I don't know if his. His arm was in motion, and it fumbled. The ball went forward. Nick Gates yeah. recovered it and went into the end zone. Um, I, I don't – you know, we, we didn't talk about this at all last night on the show. Um, I'm wondering about a challenge there from Joe Judge. Um, I know they didn't show much of it on the broadcast, but I was just curious to get your take on that, if, that, if, if you thought that that should have been a challengeable play by Joe Judge. Well, interestingly, Joe Judge was not asked about that play in his post-game media session because I thought maybe somebody would have brought that up, and we Mm -hmm. played that on the post-game show. I went back and listened to it this morning, and I went back and watched that play again. Now, from what I got clarification on, and I know the official analyst on the broadcast brought up that in his perspective, it would have been a touchdown if the play was challenged because only when you're talking about plays within the two-minute warning and at the end of each half, 
Jeff, are there restrictions on whether or not the ball can be advanced off a fumble? Normally, it's the player that coughs up the ball is the only player that then under those circumstances can recover and advance the ball. But this was outside of the two-minute warning. So from how I understand the rule interpretation, he would have been eligible, Nick Gates, to move the ball forward and get into the end zone. It's going to be interesting to hear if Joe Judge is asked about that, as you brought up, Jeff, when he meets with the media later today. But... Here's the way that I look at it. Even if the Giants do get a touchdown there, there's so much more missed opportunities, Jeff, that we can yeah. sit here and analyze yeah, that of played out over the course of the game where the Giants are probably saying to themselves a day later after watching the film, we do this, we do that. Hey, maybe the game turns out differently, especially, of course, that 19-play drive. Yep, yep. A lot of things you can go and, uh, you know, it's what we do on Monday mornings, right? Or last Tuesday yep. mornings. But uh, we analyze the games and we kind of go back and say the ifs and buts were candies and nuts and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, yeah, but I think that the overall takeaway, and I, I think that a lot of people will, um, I don't want to get carried away with the moral victory. I don't want to get carried away with the team looked good because they, they, they did. They look good in certain areas. They look bad in other areas. But, um I just want everybody to understand that at some point in time, we have to understand that this team needs to win. They need to win some games and that we're not going to just be, I don't know when the honeymoon period will wear off as far as the discipline and the team is looking better and, uh, you know, hey, they're doing this, they're doing that, but they're not winning. Um, they had a chance to win this game last night. Believe it or not, the way we break it down, and if there were some ways that, you know, things went their way and they just didn't shoot themselves in the foot, um, they could have won this game. They played a really good football team last night, a Steeler team that's probably top five in the NFL, especially their front seven. But they've got to correct some things and um, a lot of work to do. But I was overall impressed with the way that the team did play. I thought all of them, that nobody gave up, uh, which was nice to see. I thought the energy was there. I do think that some of the adrenaline and some of the conditioning and I think it's going to be league-wide, kind of ran out for the Giants in the second half a little bit. Um, if you notice that there was a de that defensive line rotation, uh, those big boys, you know, they, they get tired. And so, you know, some of those guys didn't play the whole all the, all the defensive snaps because they were rotating guys in there. So as the season goes along, those guys will get a little bit more plays. Well, and that was something we talked about leading up to the game, Jeff. There's a distinct difference between being in shape and then being in football shape. Not to say the guys weren't in football shape, but they no, didn't go through sure. a four-quarter game That's right. prior to last night. So and, it's yeah. understandable that some of these guys could very well be gassed come the fourth quarter. As you mm -hmm. hit on, I agree with your assessment. Giants were very much in the thick of this game late in the third quarter when they had that 19-play drive. It was still a one-possession game. That was the turning point because then, of course, the Steelers tacked on a field goal, made it a two-possession game, and Pittsburgh really started to gain its rhythm on offense and wear down the Giants' defense. But the reason why I guess you could say it was a bit surprising that the Giants were still in the game at that point, Jeff, is what I alluded to earlier. You look at the box score— Saquon Barkley had 15 carries for six yards. Eight of those 15 carries were for negative yards. A bulk of them, Jeff, as we talked about last night, he was hit immediately as he was handed off the ball. <clears throat> so Saquon did the majority of his damage as a receiver, and that's the positive of him being a versatile running back, but this was the first game of seeing this new offensive line, and I think Pittsburgh came into this game, and Mike Tomlin confirmed it yeah, as I, I went that. back and listened to his media session. He said, hey, they came into this game saying, 
We're going to take away Saquon Barkley. We're going to put all our efforts there. We're going to make Daniel Jones win this game. And we're going to put our secondary in a precarious spot. And let's see if Daniel Jones could take advantage. Well, if that was the perspective and the strategy going in, I would say it worked very effectively, <laughs> Jeff, for the it Pittsburgh did. Steelers defense. It did. And I, I think that, you know, that, that Steelers front seven is something to contend with. Um, it was a good game plan by the Steelers. It worked. Um, and, you know, when you have a secondary that has the, the names that the Steelers do, um, I think you can hang your hat a little bit on those guys. I think you can say, okay, guys, you know, we're going to ask a lot of you this game, but hey, you know, they're they're pretty good. Um, so they relied on them and it worked. And, you know, when you, I, I feel like if you're going to go ahead and grade out the offensive line, I would I would grade them better in the passing game than, the, than much better, much better in the passing game than they did in the run game. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot to understand here as far as an offensive line. I would love to get the take from Sean O'Hare or David Deal about you know some of the ins and outs of having a new player, especially a center. Um, I thought Nick Gates struggled immensely last night, um, and I think it's just because it's new to him. Um, I don't know. You know, there's a lot in his plate for a young guy that's never played center before in his first NFL football game against a front seven like the Steelers. Um, lots of stuff going through his mind. I don't know how many. You know, bad calls and adjustments that he made at the line of scrimmage, um, protections, things like that in the run game. All these things we don't know. But I will tell you, you could see on film and watching the game that they were struggling because there was guys just coming through there. Uh, Daniel Jones would get the snap, turn around, hand it off, and there was people, there was penetration. So that'll get buttoned up. I think that Mark Colombo and Jason Garrett will come up with some schemes and things to try to help that. But they need to, they need to get in in the room with Nick Gates and find out what happened. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you here on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You can also tweet directly at us, at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Jay Fiegel's one word as well. We're going to get to your phone calls momentarily. I want to switch gears to the defensive side of the ball. To mm-hmm. me, the big backbreaker turning point from the defensive perspective, because Early in this game, it was very encouraging. They got some hits on Ben Roethlisberger. They got some pressure. They did not allow James Conner to run wild. But that two-minute drill, Jeff, right at the end of the first half, (laughs) it seemed as if Roethlisberger started to settle in. He spread the wealth. He was able to get Eric Ebron, Juju Smith-Schuster, and the Steelers go into the locker room when they were trailing pretty much for the majority of the first half. They take that 16-10 lead knowing they got the ball to start the third quarter. That was, it seemed, when the Steelers said, all right, we seem to have figured out the Giants, and now we're going to try to test them in terms of their secondary. And that worked effectively in combination with what Benny Snell did in the second half. Yeah, and the combination, you mentioned combination. It was a combination of routes that they were doing. A lot of rub routes, a lot of middle of the field crossing routes, things underneath. Um, getting the ball in your playmaker's hands and those guys just making plays. And then you've got a six foot five, um, Ebron, the guy that you can throw the ball up to and a mismatch on Jabril Peppers. Um, that's just something you see as a quarterback when you line up and you realize that the strong safety is on your tallest guy on the offensive receivers. Um, so, yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, Pat Graham dials up a couple blitzes. He's been known to do that. And, you know, one of them was 
a zero coverage, and that's where you had no safety in the game. And next thing you know, um, he's throwing a, a Hail Mary ball, what it looked like, off his back foot to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. So I and think he put it in a perfect spot, by he, the way. And that's, and that's Ben Roethlisberger. We've been yeah. seeing him make those plays for 15 years. It's just the way he does things. Um, it doesn't look pretty, but it, the ball is where it's supposed to be. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of a backbreaker. I agree with you. Totally, 100%. The other touchdown, the one that he threw to James Washington over the middle, and then Washington made a tremendous second, third, fourth effort, maybe even a fifth effort to get into the end zone. Yeah, that was a That was play. an example, Jeff, of you had two corners collide with one another, so that opened up essentially the middle of the field for Washington. Yeah, they, that was a great effort. And, you know, you love to see that out of players, whether it's, a, you know, somebody from your own team or the opposing team. But um, that's just a knack for the goal line, right? And, and what great uh, athleticism to not let his knees hit the ground um, after he got hit coming back down. And, you know, he got back on his two feet and then pushed forward right into the end zone. So a great play by him. As far as some of the bright spots in terms of individual performances, Leonard Williams got a lot of pressure. He was able to get a sack. Lorenzo Carter showed some flashes. How about Blake Martinez, Jeff, leading the yeah. way with 12 tackles, eight solo? It seemed as if, and I know Benny Snell was able to get a few big runs in the second half, but the first half, every time they needed somebody to clean up, Blake Martinez seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, we kind of knew that coming into the to the season that this guy's a tackling machine, and I think that he's going to be one of those leaders every single week as long as he stays healthy as far as tackles. Um, I think double digits is is the number. You're going to look at him every week with that type of production. Um, but, yeah, he's around the football. He's a smart player. Um, he understands what what the other team's doing, and that way he's able to, to put himself in positions to succeed, and that's making a lot of tackles. I think what will come with some of those tackles will be some forced, forced uh, fumbles. Um, I did see him get beaten a little bit in the coverage um, aspect of it, but you know he's not known for that, so uh, you're just going to have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, he was the cleanup guy in Green Bay. He made that very clear. They basically <laughs> told him, chase it, it down, <laughs> run it down, make sure you're the second layer of defense. It'll be interesting to see what Patrick Graham asks him to do on a weekly basis, considering they're going to be tested by different personnel moving forward over the course of at least the first few weeks of this season. As we are recapping the Giants' 26-16 loss to the Steelers on Monday Night Football, before we open up the lines, Jeff, you know the one thing, again, that was brought up in the wake of this game, and it's something we talked about heavily in all of the games last season, was the turnover differential and how, more often than not, that equates to wins and losses. And the Giants were minus 17, tied with the Chargers, dead last in that category last season. Daniel Jones had two interceptions in this game, and the one takeaway that the Giants had, which was on special teams, unfortunately only equated to a field goal. So you're talking about the Steelers scored nine points on their two takeaways, the Giants only three, and they were minus one. It's one game. We're not going to go crazy over one game, Jeff. Okay, we got to have some perspective here. But, you know, if that trend continues, regardless of all these bright spots we're talking about, it's going to be very difficult for them to walk away with wins. It is because, you know, you like to force uh, turnovers, but they came on the special team that you mentioned. So I, I think that, you know, this defense has got to find a way to uh, get the football. Um, make some big plays because you know that the offense is going to well. It just it's just the way it is, right? I mean, Daniel Jones is gonna he's got to learn. Um, you know that first interception. It's on second down. You live for one more down. Okay, you throw the ball away, 
And by the way, even where he was throwing the football, there were still Steelers defenders all over the receiver, Slayton, um, for the corner of the end zone, even if he had tried to complete that pass. But, um, hey, that's just experience. That's uh, you live and you learn, right? Um, unfortunately, at the expense of a loss. Um, I, you know, the T.J. Watt interception, that's a good player making a smart play. Yep. You know, they, they were basically in a zone blitz, and then and he backed out of it. He read he read his eyes. He knew exactly where the football was going, and he just jumped up, and there was the ball. Um, and you see a lot of the, a lot of times that happens. You know, a lot of quarterbacks just don't see. And T.J. Watt, he's not that big of a guy. He's not 6'6", you know. So he was just kind of hiding and playing, playing a little cat and mouse with Daniel Jones. But he's got to learn from those. And the one thing that this team cannot continue to do is turn the football over. Um, yeah, let's just one game, like you said, Lance. Let's not panic, but it's point of emphasis. It's point of emphasis every single day. Every time they're in the building, they talk about it. Every time they're at practice, and they got to continue to not do that in order to stay in games. Because listen, you take those 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 turnovers away and some of the missed opportunities for scoring, the game is much different. And we don't have to talk about anything else. And we don't have to talk about 141 yards rushing against your defense. You don't have to talk about three touchdowns that they gave up. The game is close, and it's a matter of just a certain plays in the game you take out, um, and that's the difference in the National Football League. Well, Jeff, speaking of the coulda, woulda, shoulda game, if you go back to Daniel Jones's second interception, the one that came on second and three mm-hmm. for the Pittsburgh Four, even if you live to see another down there, which is mm-hmm. what the philosophy I'm sure that Joe Judge and Jason Garrett is going to tell Daniel Jones, hey, Daniel, come back on the field for third and three. It's not the yeah. end of the world, okay? Let's take another shot. Throw the ball away. Who cares? Completion percentage may go down, but the bottom line is it's all about capitalizing on possessions. Even if you don't get a touchdown there, Jeff, and you have to settle for three, it's a 16-13 game, and now all of a sudden you're kicking off. You don't know how the rest of the game plays out. Maybe the Steelers' play calling changes. You know, once again, there's no guarantees in football. So I don't want anybody to say, well, if they got three points there, the Giants would have won. We don't know. But you could argue... The game of chess, Jeff, changes if you now add a few more points. You make it a one-possession game as opposed to swinging it to nine. That is a noticeable differential. Yep. I mean, that's again, you can you woulda, coulda, shoulda. You can go through and you can go through every series. You can go play-by-play play and pick out things that could have been done correctly and better. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you could swing it around where the Giants should, they, you know, they win this game if they do X, Y, and Z. But that's not the way it is. Uh, you learn from those and you move on. You know, fortunately, it's a it's a long season. Um, but overall, um, you know, I give this team, I, I, I think, you know, kind of looking at the way this game was going last night, the first half for at least, I saw a completely different team. I saw a team that was prepared. I saw a team that was in control. I didn't see guys completely out of, out of, you know, out of sorts. Um, I thought there, the camaraderie and then the, uh, there was some continuity to coming together. Um, and it really was good to see. And I'm just, I'm thinking that this team will, will get better and better as each week goes. But you know what, Lance, we talked about this before in the preseason and in training camp, that we knew that this team was going to be somewhat like this. They're going to be disciplined, they're going to be well-coached, and they're going to be prepared. They just have to learn how to win, and that just comes with experience and taking things like they did this game and learning from these, op- these, exper- these, these experiences. As, as, as Daniel Jones said last night in his press conference, we're going to take these opportunities to learn. Well, that's what you have to do. Sooner than later, you're going to turn the corner and start winning some football games. Real quickly, 
We told you that they're special teams. The Giants' special teams were going to be special. They're going to be. They're going to be in every single game, if not win that that one third of the game. Um, you saw it with the Real Peppers. He is exciting. He's just. I mean, he's a playmaker to get that ball in his hands. Um, then you had to play the recovery, the fumble recovery. So. There are some good things about the special teams that are going to be consistent through the season. Just got to get one of those other two, you know, uh, facets of the game, offense and defense, to win one of those, and you got a chance every Sunday. Well, it's about complementary football. That's you got right. to have all That's the right. facets meet each other right halfway. The one thing, though, that I think is another missed opportunity now that you just reminded me of, Jeff, that involves special teams. Oh, the, the kickoff out of bounds. There we right? go. Yeah. Because yeah. here's the thing. The this opponent. is right after the Steelers kick yep. the field goal, right? It's a 19-10 game, Jeff. So now Boswell gives you another gift, just like the muff punt with Deontay Johnson. You get a gift. You take over at your own 40, great field position. And then what happens, Jeff? They go three and out. And they can't even get into field goal range. So there was another example where I felt watching this game, the Steelers were not in midseason form, okay? Roethlisberger came back. You could tell it took him the first half to shake off the rust. Second half, he looked much better, and they were much more fluid on offense. But the Steelers were doing everything in their power, Jeff, to say, to try to lose take the it, game. take it, yeah. okay? Take it. Yeah. We, we want this game to be more interesting than it needs to yeah. be. And, and the Giants were like, eh, I don't know. We're not that comfortable. Why don't you have it back? And I, me, I got that feeling throughout that, the course that, of the game. That, totally. And I think that if this, you know, if this was a better football team, you know, um, the, the Steelers would have lost this game. You know, if they're playing a sure. team like the Cardinals or, you know, just a better football, all-around football team, um, they lose this game because of those things. You can't do that. Hey, listen, don't you also missed a few, an extra point. Um, yep. So, you know, there there's situations where you look at, and I, I totally 100% agree with you that if this team, um, they just were trying to give the game away, but they, we, the Giants just couldn't do it. They just didn't have enough firepower and in and, and themselves to go out there and take it. So... Let's open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Bob is in Pennsylvania. He gets us going on Tuesday's edition of BBKL. What's happening, Bob? Hi, Bob. Bob, are you there? Bob in Bob going once. Bob going twice. Bob, three strikes and you're out. Sure wasn't Joe and not Bob. Perhaps he's going under a different alias, and he's trying to pull a fast one on us. None of the, uh, nonetheless, we still were able to get our pitcher to come through and deliver in the clutch. How about Rob in Maplewood, who joins us here on BBKL? What's happening, Rob? What's up, fellas? How are you? Good, Rob. Good, How are you? What's on your mind? Um, no, I just wanted to just give my overall take. Uh, I was sure. very impressed with this, with this team. Uh, they look really good for the most part. I know towards the end of the game, you know, it's not that they gave up, but they kind of, you kind of felt the game was out of hand. So I think the defense was kind of gassed, so they let, let a lot of plays go through. But I was curious to find out, like, where was Logan Ryan? I didn't really see him much. Well, well remember this. Um, he just got here. So, and I know he's a veteran. I know he can probably just jump in there and play as much as he can. Um, he was in the game. Um, he was in... He was in a lot of. Uh, I have my notes here that I saw that they were playing him. Um, and, well, and I got the some, numbers, Jeff. The three safety add, looks. He played yeah. 59% of the snaps. Just okay. to give you an idea. Well, you know, listen. Yeah, so you know they had him in there with that three safety look with Peppers Love, and then Logan Ryan was playing in in that in that personnel grouping. Um, but you know, listen, it's going to take him a couple weeks to get on the same page with everything. So I, I would I would imagine. Plus, he has not been. Remember, Logan Ryan was at home. Uh, a week and a half ago. So he needs a little bit more. 
conditioning. He needs a little bit more football before he can get out there and play a full game. Okay. That makes sense. It'd be like me and yeah, you going no, out there and playing, right? <laughs> it's not going to be yeah, not, not going to totally. be pretty. <laughs> oh, and then wait. And I had one more question. I had one more question. Um, what about that play where uh, where Bradbury forced the fumble? I forgot. It was it Snell and and then. Um, you talk about the one where Juju came in and recovered the football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it seemed like he was clearly out of bounds, and then touched the ball. But they said he established himself in bounds, which I didn't, I was a little confused about that. Well. That was certainly an interesting play. I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn the call as to whether or not he established himself in play. And the other aspect of the play, as I continue to get clarification, is even if he did not reestablish himself, the fact that he was out of bounds and the Steelers already had possession, the ball would have then just gone out of bounds. That's what have been ruled, and the Steelers would have taken over regardless. Yeah. So there really wasn't a golden opportunity for the Giants to change the outcome of that play, no matter how you look at it. If he would have reestablished himself, which according to replay, there wasn't enough to overturn that, then he's entitled to touch it first. And if he didn't reestablish himself and he wound up touching the ball, it would have basically been ruled out of play anyway. Yeah. Gotcha. And oh, last, last point I just wanted to make. Man, Darnay Holmes. That boy's the truth. I'm excited about him. <laughs> Hi, Rob. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, and Holmes was in a lot, Jeff, too, as I'm looking at the snap counts, because you could tell Patrick Graham went with the sub packages a lot more than he did with keeping the linebackers in. I don't think we're necessarily stunned by that, especially based on the Steelers' offensive personnel. But just to give you an idea, Darnay Holmes played 73% of the defensive snaps yesterday. Sure. Well, listen, folks, the guy graduated college in three years. Um, so that tells you a little bit about his smarts. Um, and when you have somebody that has that football acumen is, and is very intelligent that can pick up defenses quickly, um, trust me, uh, Pat Graham and I would and J- Jerome Henderson, who is the defensive back coach, I'm sure they saw the, the intellect that he has and how he was doing at practice and how he was picking up the system that gave them confidence enough for him to be in there for 70-something percent of the plays. So not to mention the guy's a good player. He's a very good football player, and he's, he has a knack for the football. Um, and by the way, you know, he was a great returner in college. So he's actually another, one of those guys that if something, you know, one of the guys gets banged up on a kickoff or, or a punt return, he can certainly fill in for that. Which, by the way, we did not mention this at all. Um, actually, Paul Dottino asked me who I thought the opening day, who was going to, you know, return the first kickoff. I was wrong. I thought it was going to be um, – Dante Holmes, but it was um, the little guy. Um, Dante Holmes, you mean, yeah. It was Darnay, Deion Lewis. Deion, Deion Lewis. Lewis. It was Deion yeah. Lewis back there. So that was, and it's funny because when you look at the depth chart, he's the last returner on the depth chart. So um, <laughs> just goes to show you they threw, threw him a curveball there. So I was wrong, and I didn't think, I think Paul was probably wrong too. I don't think he, he thought Deion Lewis was going to be the guy either. Well, they have a lot of options, and we did talk about that throughout the offseason. And just because one guy's utilized in that role at the beginning of the season doesn't mean you know that's how it's going to play out the rest of the way. But it's good to give the opposition some different looks because, yeah. as we talked about, Jeff, you have some guys who either had the experience in college or have had a little bit of experience in the NFL and maybe weren't utilized on that side of the ball because their roles increased on offense or defense. But Peppers, we saw, has that game-changing ability. Deion Lewis... Since he's not the starting running back, there's no reason why he can't contribute in that facet of the game. And I actually could see them toying with those roles, at least moving forward as well. Yeah. Hey, you know what? 
I, I tell you what, we, we, have, we didn't really mention this guy's name, and we should. Um, Darius Slayton. I mean, we, he's kind of a guy that just flies under the radar every single week, but he just puts up touchdowns. Um, I thought he played an exceptional football game last night. You could just see he's very fluid. Um, he runs great routes, and I think that uh, Daniel Jones and him have some chemistry uh, starting back from last year. And I, I just, you know, I love the way this kid's played. And, um, you know, he's, he's just, what a bright spot. What a draft pick. What a draft pick. I mean, the guy's got some, he's got some speed to be able to get over the top, as you saw on the first touchdown. Um, he's got some ability to go up and get footballs, and he runs great routes, which, which gives him the ability to, to get open. And if I'm Daniel Jones, I'm looking for him all the time. Well, and I think as you hit on, Remember, Daniel Jones and Slayton came in as part of the same rookie class. Mm-hmm. They were in rookie minicamp together. That was when Jones struggled. I mean, excuse me, Slayton struggled and had the case of the dropsies. But then they worked together on the second and third team, Jeff, when Eli was still the starter. So I think Jones probably, if you look at the roster right now, he's probably thrown more passes between That's practice right. and Good games, point. right, to yeah. Darius Slayton than any other offensive member, especially since Slayton was relatively healthy following week three last season after he overcame the hamstring injury. So yeah. what I think you're seeing is you're seeing the combination of last offseason season. Last season, this offseason, into training camp, that there's a trust factor between the two. And if Jones sees that Slayton has a favorable opportunity, he's certainly not going to hesitate airing it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I just think there's the, it's such a big upside for him. Um, and I think that they'll have that connection going all the time. I think, you know, Golden Tate being out of the lineup hurt them a little bit, um, you know, because they had to move some guys around. But, um, and I'll tell you, we got to talk about Evan Ingram a little bit. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I don't know if he's trying to, to press so hard, um, but, you know, he had a couple, you know, some drops. And, you know, in the NFL, you can't have these. You cannot go through the season dropping footballs, um, you know, having a penalty on you on your too. And so he's got to clean up some things, you know. So I, I think that that's important to understand that he, he's got to get better in both of those categories. Yeah, the opening drive, second and 11 from the Giants' 37. He dropped the pass. That probably would have been a first down. It was close. It was close, It would have either set up a third and one or would have given him the first down marker. Now, in fairness, Jeff, the Giants on third and 11 did convert to Shepard for 14. But, once again, missed opportunity for Evan Engram considering some of the issues that had plagued him previously throughout the course of his seasons then you brought up the offensive pass interference call that was another killer because the Giants then got into Steelers territory Mm -hmm. now they're moving backwards so that's when you know you lose momentum on the offensive side of the ball and then you know the other one which we were talking about earlier I'd have to hear more and I'm curious what Joe Judge has to say when he meets the media today because he was asked about the Daniel Jones throw wide and Evan Ingram hesitating and not running out into the end zone where he had open space. He said he'd have to go back and watch on film whether or not it was on the quarterback or the tight end. But the bottom line, Jeff, is neither of those guys were on the same page there in terms of that opportunity. That's right. Yeah, and, and you got to get on the same page. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time before they all do. Remember, guys, we're, we're just we're fast-forwarding this season. They miss so much you know, together. Um, and I think that you know as time goes, they'll button some things up. They really will. Let's head back to the lines and check in with Vincent in Maryland. Vincent, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, I've been always a pleasure to, to be able to get through to you guys. I love the show. Thank you. Um, I just have a couple of statements. Um, 
I, I'm tired of seeing, like, the Pittsburgh, they, they were blitzing the corner. Like, I don't know how often they blitzed the corner. And you could see it, but they made no adjustment, no adjustment from the first half to the second half. They still allowed that blitzer to come off, whether they went hurry up or just regular moving, you know, regular pace huddle into the, the, the formation. You see the guy coming off the end, but yet you, you didn't put another tight end. You didn't adjust. We didn't do anything. For Saquon to not have a yard, that is just, like, hard to just – it's hard to understand for me. Um, that's one. Two, Evan Ingram, um, I think it's about time for him to be ready to go. That's just my opinion. Um, <laughs> he's okay, but um, I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything, especially he can't block for anything. So, um I really wouldn't care if he stayed or left. That's just my opinion. Outside of that, I think the defense held up pretty well um, under the circumstances. As much as they were on the field, they held up as best they could. Um, Danny Jones did it okay. Uh, the two turnovers, of course, we have to clean that up. But to me, he did okay. But um, this is like the fifth year, and we're still talking about the offensive line. So. I just feel like we need to do something, and I don't feel like we made any halftime adjustments. So, do you, your, your fellas is taken. I'm done after that. Do you think we made enough adjustments at halftime? And I'll take this off to here. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for allowing me to call that. Well, I appreciate the phone call, Vincent. Thanks so much for weighing in. Uh, listen, the, the first thing with the blitzes off the corner, um, you know, they – I saw, you know, they got through a couple times. I don't know how many times they were blitzing. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But, um, you know, there's got to be better communications between the tackles. I mean, you, you can't just put a tight end in there and expect that they're going to blitz that down. You don't know. It's just out of nowhere where they come from. Um, but I, I saw a couple times where Saquon, um, you know, he just he just got caught in the middle and was was not able to pick up the hot the hot read and, and go get the guy. And, um, you know, so Andrew Thomas is out there on an island. Another time um, they had a linebacker that was coming in on a blitz on the right side with Cam Fleming um, where they actually lined up the two, two linebackers over there and brought him. He didn't know who to block. So these are assignments issues. These are, these are mental errors, um, something that they got to button up. Um, we talked a little yeah, bit about... Yeah, that was the one, Jeff. I didn't mean to cut you off. That was That's when okay. Barkley went to assist the tackle. That's and right. And that left an open lane with yep. the pass rusher. Yep, yep. And that happened a couple times. And, you know, I think that you really... I think we all would agree that, that Saquon's got to get better in the passing game blocking. I mean, he's got to be able to, to, to get better in that, in that, in that category. Um, and hopefully his coach, uh, Coach Burns, um, would be able to help him with that. Uh, the defense... Uh, listen, I, I think the defense is just... You know they're going to get better. Um, I thought the front, the front four guys, they, they the, the front three guys, they played well. They really did. I, I thought their energy was there. Um, they're going to keep going, and, and I, I'm telling you, Coach Spencer is all a big part of that. That guy, you know, Coach Chaos, he brings so much enthusiasm and energy to that position group, and it's a carryover. You're going to see those guys. They're not going to quit. They're going to be a presence in that middle of the line every single game. It's good to see. I think the other thing that the Steelers did in the second half, which you could say was an adjustment on their part, and we had hinted at this earlier in the program, Jeff, where you brought up the Steelers' route running, the type of routes that the receivers are running. I mean, there was a move that Juju, I forget who was covering him at the time, but he ran inside and then quickly cut back, remember, outside, and then all of a sudden, the entire left side of the field, Jeff, is wide open for him. You know, They got Eric Ebron loose down the field. So, you know, that I thought became an emphasis in the second half 
extending off of that two-minute drill where they really weren't doing a lot of that in the first half. And then all of a sudden, the Giants have to worry about that. And what happens? It opens the doors, the floodgates for a guy like Benny Snell. Well, let's, let's, okay, and abs- good point. And here's the other thing. Talk about offensive adjustments. Let's, let's not, let's not um, forget about the third quarter, okay? The 19 play drive. Did, did you just see what they were doing on that drive? That drive was completely different from a lot of the other drives that they did. They yeah. were getting the ball out into the flats, short routes, getting the ball out quick, okay? So that was an adjustment coming out of the locker room. So I think as you go through, I promise you this coaching staff is making adjustments during the game and the 12 minutes of the halftime and then during the game also. So there are adjustments maybe a lot of us don't see, but when you get when you get on the TV and you look at those coaches on the bench and they're looking at those pads, um, that's what they're doing. They are making adjustments and you know they're they're crossing things off on the on the playlist. We're not this isn't going to work or the or the quarterback is saying, "Hey, I don't want to run this because they're in this type of defense." Um, let's get rid of that package and vice versa. Defense, they're saying the same thing. And uh, the other team does it too. So there's a lot of adjustments going on that some people just don't know about, but I promise you they are. They're going on. 201-939-4513. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fegels with you here. Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, recapping the Giants' 26-16 loss to the Steelers. Dan is in the Poconos. He joins us now. What's happening, Dan? Hi, Dan. Hey, fellas. How you doing? Good, man. Doing right, Dan. What do you got for us? Good. You remember I called on Wednesday. I said uh, two things I was hoping I wasn't going to see. I wasn't going to see Jones fumble up the ball, which he didn't do at least. And I didn't want to see Ingram with his drops. And I tell you, I'm freaking pissed off, man. That guy, that guy's a bum, okay? The first ball that's thrown at him, he drops. Then he can't block. Then he's an offensive penalty. Then he can't get off the block to catch the ball. I mean, how long are they going to put up with this guy? He's a liability on the field. He is a liability, man, and we can't deal with it. I'd rather have the other two guys out there. Man. I think that, um, I, listen, I, I think Joe Judge is the type of guy that's not going to put up with that very long. I mean, he'll be on the bench, um, you know, and Caden Smith will be your guy. I know that, uh, yeah. that Jason Garrett has a lot of confidence in all of his four tight ends that are there. But, um, listen, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, Joe Judge isn't the kind of guy that's going to leave you in. He's going to bench you, and he's going to put somebody yeah. else in there. Well, and they yeah, had, they had Dan, keep in mind, three tight ends on the field a lot in this game. Mm-hmm. And we could even show you the numbers in terms of Jeff, the rushing attack. So, you know, they were putting other tight ends on the field. There was that play to Levine Toilolo where he got yeah, open yeah. in the middle of the field, picked up some yardage, and then Caden Smith as well. So, you know, they were utilizing yeah. the other tight ends. It wasn't just necessarily the Evan Ingram show. But, yeah, when the ball comes right. his way, you want to see more consistency. There's no doubt about it. They are using Absolutely. Evan Ingram. They're using Evan Ingram more, you know, more and more as a wide receiver, if you will. I hate to say that, but you know, if you saw last night, they lined him up outside. They lined him up yep. all over the place. So, and I think that's why you have those other two tight ends that are got their hand in the dirt. Um, but you can be creative with those, with having three of them in the, you know, two of them stay in, and instead of Evan Ingram going out for a route, you got Toliolo going around the other side and catching the ball for a big play, by the way. Huge. Yeah. How about it? And you were right on the money, Lance, in the beginning. Those two turning points of the game, forget it. They're, you can't put enough emphasis on those two plays. I mean, yeah. it would have been completely different. But, you know, would have, should have, could and all that. But, yeah, I can't wait to see Ingram sitting on the bench and the other two guys getting the work done. All right, fellas, always a pleasure. All right, Dan. Thank you. You got Thank it. You. Appreciate the phone call. 
Thanks so much for joining the program here. Let's head back to the lines. Ian is in Sarasota, Florida. Ian, welcome aboard. What do you have for us? Hey, guys. Uh, just wanted to touch on some things why I was really encouraged last night and some things that were uh, discouraging. Um, it's week one. Uh, we got a young team, all new coaching. We're going against a top team. Um, and I, I like the play calling. I like the... I like the the game plan that they came out with. Um, they came to play. The wasn't too big for them for such a young team. And you know, let's not panic. There's you know, there's a lot of good that they did. But what's discouraging is that the last night was the night to beat the Steelers. Them, you know, that was our opportunity. I thought we'd be more disciplined. Um, the one thing that Joe Judge preached was discipline, not beating ourselves, situational football, fundamentals, and I felt like there was a few false starts there that, you know, it, it almost seems like you get the one step forward, the two steps back, the two interceptions by uh, by Jones were terrible. It, it just seemed like there was a lot of the same old, same old that we weren't capitalizing, like, as you mentioned, not punching in for six when you're given that opportunity, and that, those are the things why I was encouraged and discouraged at the same time. Well, a lot of mental mistakes. There's no doubt about it. And the Giants, when they're going up against a team that was a top-five defense last season, when the special teams unit gifts wraps an opportunity for the offense where you're saying, hey, guys, you're taking over at the three-yard line. You don't have to go 80-some-odd yards against one of the most intimidating defenses. Absolutely. You can't hesitate. You have to be able to execute. Same thing when you put together a 19-play drive. So the Steelers, they had them up against the ropes a little bit. They put that defense in a precarious spot, and the defense wound up recovering as a result of the Giants not executing. So, yeah, I mean, we could sit here all day, as Jeff and I outlined. There were a lot of opportunities, and, you know, those were some of the issues that haunted the Giants in previous seasons, and you hope to see that get cleaned up. As far as your point, Ian, though, about – you know, Joe Judge has been emphasizing the fundamentals. Jeff, listen, you've been in locker rooms. You've been through practices. You can emphasize the fundamentals. You could preach it. You could teach it. It's still in the hands, Jeff, of the players to then carry that out in game situations. You yeah. could tell them till they're blue in the face, right, in the film room on the practice field. Now the onus is on them to then take what they've been doing on a consistent basis and apply it under the lights. Yeah, if you will, I'll give you an example of this. And this is if you can kind of just understand where the player is coming from. You know, these football players have a lot of pressure on them to, to stay and, and be on the team. Um, so what happens is, is that they rely on what got them there. Um, and they think that that can still carry over and be successful. When the coaches are trying to teach you different techniques and fundamentals to make you better um, and you refuse to do them, that's going to get your butt out of the league quicker than you came into it. So what happens is is a reluctancy from the player standpoint to want to implement all of that fundamentals and stuff that they're learning because they're just not so sure about it. They're sure about how they used to play. So it takes a little bit of time for them to become comfortable with what they're getting taught and believe in the system and believe that it's going to work. And now all of a sudden there's a light that goes off one time where all of a sudden, yeah, I'm using this technique. I'm using this types of fundamental uh, play on, on this position or whatever it is, and it's working, and then it becomes more confident to the player. So that's the problem with young right. players. So you got to understand there's the transition with some of these younger guys that 
they're going to abandon the fundamentals and the techniques until they're, it's ingrained in their system that they can compete at that level and be believed that it's going to work. And that's a tough thing to do sometimes. And I, and I agree with that. I just, it's, and we are young, and that's why I'm not panicking. It just sure. seems like it's the same old, same old. Like, we have better talent. We have better players. I think we have great coaching. It just seems like for the latter part of Coughlin to McAdoo to Shermer, it's the same, same things. I'm scared to death when we have first and goal at the two-yard line. I really am. I'm not confident that we're going to get six points there. And that, and that has for a decade, eight years now, it's been the same old thing. And please explain to me why Dupree was just, like, untouched probably a half a dozen times where we doubled the tackle and allowed him free into the backfield. Well, you're right. He did have a heck of a game. There's no doubt about it. And appreciate the phone call, Ian. Thanks so much for uh, joining the program here. I think what the Steelers are very effective with, Jeff, to the caller's point, they move personnel around a lot. They also, on the T.J. Watt interception, as we went over, that was a zone blitz where you're showing blitz, and then all of a sudden the player backs off and plays a little game of trickery with respect to Daniel Jones. Dupree is also a heck of a player, and we can't also lose sight of that. He wins his one-on-one battles. You know, he was very aggressive on that play where he was able to track down Daniel Jones and hit him as Jones was rolling out to his left side. Sometimes I think you got to give credit to the guys playing on the opposite side of the field. You know, it's not an excuse, Jeff. It's the fact that the caliber of the opposition was the top five defense in the NFL for a reason. They were number one in sacks. They were number one in takeaways. You don't get that based on pure luck. You get that because there's continuity in the scheme, and the players have also been performing at a high level. The Steelers were 8-8 eight and eight last season without Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. mainly because of the fact that that defense, defense was probably yeah. one of the best units in the league. Yeah, and you, you again, I think you have to take your hat off to a player that, that plays good, and he's and he beats you. Um, you know, and again, I, I keep I, I hate to just keep saying this over and over, but you know, this team is going to learn every week um, what to do and what not to do to stay in football games and win. And I think that you know, when you go against a formidable opponent, opponent like the Steelers in that front seven, you know, you're in for a long day. Um, the Bears are, are not going to be, you know, they'll be a little bit easier because I, I certainly don't think from top to bottom that their defense is anything comparable to the Steelers, but they have some good personnel over there. So, um, you know, they can look, learn from what they saw in this game and take it, carry it over to the practice field, and then go up to Chicago and improve on it. Let's head back to the lines. Haas is in New Jersey. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Haas? Hey, fellas. Long time no hear from uh, I've been listening. Yeah, I've been listening to y'all and, and watching. And y'all, y'all been doing a great job. Thank you for keeping us in, in touch with with the game. Well, thanks uh, for tuning in. We appreciate that. Last night, uh, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, he played. He played well uh, against a complicated defense. He played very well, and he was fairly accurate until uh, the bonehead play he made uh, at the on the in the red zone. Uh, the, the one with T.J. Watt, that was just a great defensive scheme call. Uh, but my problem is is that Nick Gates and Kevin Fleming were getting blown up. Nick Gates was getting blown up so much that they had so much penetration. Barkley couldn't, he didn't have any running lanes. I don't care who you are. You could be Matt Trump, Eddie George, or, or Jackson. But if you got people that's hanging around you, 
ripping all over your jersey, you're not going to get any yardage either. And I think that the Giants should have asked out and run to the outside a little bit more because they were gaining a little, they were gaining effectiveness on that. Um, and, and Evan Ingram, he needs to, to move to, and I know Paul doesn't like this, I think he will be way more effective as a receiver than as a tight end. I think they can use his, his, his speed and his radius, and he will be able to block corners instead of trying to block defensive ends. That's it. Haas, I'm going to let you go here. We, we got the <laughs> Thank you. report. You're breaking up. You're coming in and out. Do appreciate the phone call, and good to hear from you. Jeff, you essentially brought up that point, what he was just preaching, because there was evidence yesterday that they were utilizing him a lot more as a wide receiver. Now, granted, he was into block. I'm not yeah. saying that they weren't exposing him to that, but when they did have the multiple tight end sets, the reason being is because they felt better about having Caden Smith and Levine Toilolo in to assist in terms of the blocking. Absolutely. I mean, and again, it's it's all about matchups. So they're going to put him where where he's going to match up on a cornerback um, if he's got him outside, or they're going to put a safety on him, and and he's going to get windows one on one matchups. But then again, you've got to be able to catch the football, um, play smart, do not have offensive pass interference calls on you. I mean, you got to be able to play the, within the game and make the make the catches. This is the National Football League. If you go through the NFL, you see these guys making catches every single week. You know, some guys maybe have three or four drops the whole season. Um, you know, to have a couple in one game is just unacceptable. I want to work in some tweets here. This comes from Vinny. He writes, quote, on Twitter, what adjustment should have been made during the game when they realized corners were cheating on the edge to stop the run? That we did address earlier in the show. Does play action help even though we aren't successfully running the ball, he asked. Interestingly, yeah. Jeff, I'm yeah. glad actually that question was posed because on the Darius Slayton touchdown, the first one, what was interesting about that play, the Giants were not running the ball effectively throughout the game, but specifically mm -hmm. at that point, and Jason Garrett actually went play action on that play, and that all of a sudden got the Steelers to bite a little. Slayton then runs by his defender, and then he hits him for the home run 41-yarder. So the Steelers came in, as we emphasized earlier in the show. They were like, hey, we're going to load the box. We're going to make sure Barkley doesn't kill us. Yep. Let's see if Daniel Jones could take advantage. So there was actually one instance in which play action, despite not having a run game, got the Steelers to bite a little bit. It didn't, but if you remember the first part of the game, the first quarter in particular, the Giants' offensive line held up exceedingly well for the for the pass rush from the Steelers. They were not getting to Daniel Jones, um, and and that was my take from the first quarter. I was like, wow, I'm pretty impressed with this offensive line, the way they're giving protection to Danny to Danny uh, Jones, and then. Then all of a sudden, def defensively, the Steelers got a little bit cute and they started to change up some things. And I don't think that this offensive line could adjust to it in enough time to do something about it. But yes, but to answer your question, um, play action is how you, how you combat that. You, you do play it, but you've got to be able to run the football. And I know that it worked on that play, Lance, where they weren't really running the football. But play action does cause some pause in the defense at times. And especially if you have a receiver that runs good routes like Darius Slayton and you can beat your one-on-one -on -one matchup, which he did, um, and that the offensive line gives Daniel Jones some time, which they did, that was a perfect play execution and it went for a touchdown. Let's head back to the phone lines. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. What's happening, Len? Hey, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hi, Listen, always, always disappointing when you lose a game. 
Sure. And as, as everybody knows, they've been coming in batches over the last three years. Um, almost guarantee you, five years from now when Evan Ingram is retired, somebody's going to call into Big Blue Kickoff Live and ask what position Evan Ingram played. <laughs> and and I, I think we're still tinkering with it. We can't figure it out. We're not sure what to do with them. I, I know one thing, and I say this once a year, Jeff. I've said it for the last three years. If I never see Evan Ingram in tight blocking as a, as a tight end, I'll be a happy man. Sure. Never I think again. <laughs> I think you and a lot of other people will be, too. <laughs> I mean, just... never again. Listen, you know, you look at that game last night. What, what was that, Daniel's 13th, 14th start in the NFL? I mean, yeah, you know, the guy's, the guy's got the mechanics. Uh, you know, he's, he's got the accuracy. Um, he throws the ball hard enough. I mean, there's, there's, there's speed on that ball when it's coming out of his hands. Oh, sure. You know, he's just got to go. He's just got to go out and win some games. Um, I mean, the two interceptions. Yeah, you know, a quick question on the Watt interception: Is Watt freelancing there, or was that play call from the bench? No, I think he was freelancing. I think he was totally freelancing. Here's the thing. I mean, these guys see so much, so much offense coming at them. I think that at times they study film, okay, and they, but they understand what the other team is trying to do. And in that situation, he just basically sniffed out the play. Um, he saw that they were gonna what they were doing, and he just kind of hung in there. He was gonna rush. He was rushing. He stopped. He looked at Daniel Jones. He took two steps back and jumped up in the throwing lane and got the ball. It's yeah, a great yeah, play yeah. by him. I mean, it's a great yeah, play. That, I mean, that's a, a read and play. react play. I think. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly why right. studying the tendencies, as Jeff that's mentioned, right. of Daniel Jones and getting yeah, his hands yeah. perfectly in the passing lane. Because yeah, yeah, I think yeah, what Watt is seeing there is he's seeing Jones is eyeing Evan Ingram and he's saying, "All right, you know, I was gonna come at him. Now he's looking at this guy in this direction. Let me step yeah, back." Yeah. And he yeah. bit and give credit to yeah. a heck of a pass rusher. Hey, listen, it was a great play. Whatever, whoever called it or whatever Watt was doing on the play, I mean, it was a great play. It was a good position to do that, too. I mean, they were 75 yards from, you know, from scoring the touchdown. They were in their own territory. So it's a pretty good call. And, Lance, you, you talked a little bit about Dupree. Um, you know, on the, on, on, on the interception, I, I, guess that's what, I guess that's what you call closing speed, huh? Yeah, I mean that absolutely. was just that was just wow. I mean that guy closed so quickly on Daniel and and who Daniel may have been as Jeff said very early in the show today. Uh, you know there was nobody open in the end zone. I mean there was one guy and three Steelers. So who who maybe Daniel was trying to throw the ball away. But Dupree, I, I mean that that closing speed, yeah. <laughs> On that one play, you really had to be impressed. Well, and that's why you can't have hesitancy on a play like that. If you are trying to throw the ball away, then you know what? Just get rid of it and don't even give him an extra fraction of a second to close. Yeah. 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 Yes, absolutely. 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 And you're out of the pocket. You don't have to. You're out of the pocket, too. You don't have to throw it out of the back of the end zone. You could throw it to the left to the sideline as long as it's a receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. He's got to make those plays because. He's got to make plays and win games. I mean, the talent is there. We just got to start winning with this guy because, look, that was the model on how to beat the Giants: run blitz and take Barkley out of the game, and let let the young quarterback beat you. Yeah. And we're going to see that next Sunday. We're going to see it six weeks from now. We're going to see it ten weeks from now. Teams are going to do it unless we can just beat that play. Jeff, you think there were adjustments made. Okay, I'll go along with you on that offensive line blocking. We never stopped the run blitz. We, we, we never got it figured out. Yeah. Now, it, 
if that's a talent problem, I'm worried. Um, well, I, I think, you know, I miscommunica- think miscommunication. Here we go again. Well, I just think it. I, th- I think I think it's an inexperienced, okay, center. He's never played there before. So I mean, yes. That, right. I, and listen, I, I know. I, I I I understand. We can't make excuses for everybody. We're just trying to understand why it happens, um, and they have yeah. to improve on it. But you got to remember, he's never played center in a football game before at the at the NFL level. I got. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, one. One more. Yeah. 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 One more quick thing. Yeah. You got the generational the generational running back. And he doesn't have positive yardage until the fourth quarter. <laughs> that's well, terrible. That's a problem. Well, yeah, that's, that's a problem. why, as good of a running back as he is, kids. it's still dependent on the offensive line. <laughs> yes. That's what it comes down to, period. Look, look, Detroit put 425 yards on the Bears this, this past weekend. Adrian Peterson, who must, you know, <laughs> great player, so I'm gonna make a sli- but I'm going to make a slide remark, who must be 55 years old by now. Okay? (laughs) Gained 95 yards. I mean, come on. The Bears can be had. Let's get some people blocked up in here and give Barkley some room. And by the way, Jeff, on on Barkley's blocking, let me just say one thing. He blocks like he weighs 195 pounds, not 235. I agree. Hey, guy, do me a favor, will you please? (laughs) Man up, anchor, and engage. Engage the block. What's with the cut blocks? Come on, man. Tell this guy to engage when he blocks. We got to get Look, Lynn on. We, Come we on, didn't man. Draft yes, him. We didn't draft him to block. I know that. I know that. We didn't draft him to block. All right, let's but go. he's got he's got to block better. He does. He's got he to does. block better. Hundred percent. Okay. He's the first right, one on. to let's tell beat you that. The bears. And appreciate the let's phone beat call the bears. because you know we were talking about Thank it you, last season too in terms of him needing to make the adjustments yes, in we pass did. protection. Yep. Yep. And it was something he wanted to work on, um, and I think that um, you know Burton. Burns, I believe, is is the name of the coach. Yeah, Burns and Burns. He has he had said at the beginning of the off season that, you know, this is something that I look at Saquon Barkley. He has got to improve on. Um, now, again, listen, uh, remember the era that where we're at. Okay, I mean, it's hard to go live one on one blocking for these guys in training camp. They just don't do it. So this, I guess, along with tackling. The blocking, this is all stuff that's really as, you know, it's going to be bad for a little bit, but it's not an excuse. He does have to get better. And I think that, you know, he needs it. Like, like Len said, you know, hey, drop in anchor and, and get your legs up through and, and make the block. Forget the cut blocks. Guys are so athletic, they'll just jump right over you. I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean, Bud Dupree, he'll jump over anything. <laughs> You know, yeah, he's a he was he was really. I mean, listen, that guy has got. He is out. I mean, he's out for. He wants a contract. I mean, he got the franchise well, tag. Can this you year. blame him? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody's going to say, "Okay, how much money do you want? I'll, I'll take you." Absolutely. So, well, um, Dupree is the perfect example, Jeff, of a player that had a breakout year last year, as you mentioned, got the tag, and now wants to prove that last year wasn't just a flash. That's right. Last year was just the beginning of him breaking out of his shell. Yeah, and, and you now know what? we're starting to see it. And man, if you're the Steelers, you just got to be happy that you got this guy for a whole season. Um, because sure. he's not going to be there unless you, you know, you you get the Brinks truck and you just back it up over there to Heinz Field, um, because they're going to have somebody's going to have to pay him. Let's head back to the phone lines. Charlie joins us in Portland, Maine. This should be interesting. What's happening, Charlie? Hello, Charlie. <laughs> oh, you know what's happening? Desert vu all over again. Let me say this: Tom Tomlin stated what I stated. Stop Barkley and let Daniel Jones beat us. But what he was actually saying, let Daniel Jones beat himself, because that's what he does. 
That's what he did last year. That's what he did tonight. It's pathetic. This guy is who he is. He will. I'm going to change it from Mr. Fumbles to Mr. Turnover because I got to include the interceptions now. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, and before before the half, I said to myself, with a minute 32 left, if this defense allows this team to march all the way down the damn field with 132 left and score a touchdown, we're the same stupid defense we've been for the last three years. And what do they do? They do exactly that. This whole team has not changed. Our offensive line can't run block just like three years ago. And now we can't even stop anybody when we need to. Daniel Jones keeps losing the game for us. It's pathetic. I don't care if we play 60 minutes. We lost the game in 40 minutes. It was over. It was over. This team is terrible. We can't, you know, maybe we'll do better. And this wasn't the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, Super Bowl potential team that we played. They weren't even close to that. And we should have beat them. And this is just pathetic. And and, in Ingram, I told you guys, he is not a tight end. Stop making him block. Let him be a wide receiver. He is not having fun out there. All he's thinking about is trying to block, and then when he actually catches a pass, he drops it or something happens. Let him be a wide receiver because some team is going to pick him up next year, and that's what they're going to make him, and he's going to be a good, great player. Well, technically, well, he's I... still under contract next year. Well, no, Charlie's saying they're going to cut him. That's, well, that's, 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 yeah. well, okay, he's, yeah. he, I they're guess gonna... he's alluding to that, that they're going to cut him. But technically, <laughs> he's still under contract with the Giants even for next season. So we're getting a little ahead yeah, of ourselves. And, and let me say something about why didn't Judge, you know, throw the flag on that fumble, which Jones fumbled again when you saw the replay. It wasn't an incomplete pass. And why did he throw the flag so when Gates got the touchdown, we could have looked at, they could have reversed that. Mm-hmm. With the, did the whistle blow, or was it just everybody was asleep upstairs? Or, well, he wasn't or asked about it in the media session with reporters, so I'm not going to put any thoughts in his head. We'll see whether or not somebody asks him about it today. It did not appear to be a forward motion by Daniel Jones when I went back and looked at it from many angles. It looked to be a fumble, so... When he goes back and watches the film, as I'm sure he did late last night and today, perhaps it will come up in the dialogue. But I can't give you a reason if we haven't heard from anybody. Because I thought Judge was going to be an aggressive coach. He's not calling plays. He's on the sideline. He should have he should have thrown the flag on that. He should have thrown the flag on uh, when Juju Smith there, whatever his name is, you know, came. Yeah, in but we went over that that play wasn't going to be overturned anyway, Charlie. We went over that earlier okay. in the program. So now, now you're just picking things out for the sake of picking things. No, out. but I'm just saying when you're going to be an aggressive coach, those are the things you do at that point. Yeah, but you time, also then not? lose timeouts though as a result of that. Let's not overlook that. There is a risk reward factor though. In fairness, right. you don't just challenge something for the sake of challenging something if you think you're going to need those timeouts later in the game. That I, I would, completely disagree. Well, with you. you definitely should have challenged the first one. Definitely I would, I would have. Yeah, I like. I, I agree. I agree with that. I, I think that there was, should have been a challenge there because there was a potential t- touchdown taken off the board. Touchdown, exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like we're supposed to be this great coaching staff who has all these good teachers on board, and you can't teach Barkley how to pass block, how to go into the guy, go after the guy before he goes after you. Where are these guys? Where are all these great coaches? Please tell me. 
Charlie, you should get your exist. resume in. I've been telling you this for years. I don't understand why they haven't hired you yet. Between the offensive line, the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, you could do it all. Yeah. Right. It's, it's really it's a shame. What do you expect when you start a center who's never played center in his life? Well, what you, do you expect to You happen? expect what you saw yesterday. I mean, that's Especially exactly. when you're going up against Cam Hayward and company. Yeah. 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 So, so why don't you play Pulley, who's experienced, for God's sake? And then if Pulley's so darn awful, bring in Gates in the third or fourth game. It's it's ridiculous. This coaching staff has got the same brains. As well, the last Charlie, one, in as fairness, the last before one. we let you go, if your complaint though is that it's a continuation of last season when you had Pulley and Jalapio as your centers, and you're saying that they should be going in a different direction, then technically that's what they're doing by starting the Gates in that situation. So now you're contradicting yourself. You want change, <laughs> yet then they change it, and now you're still not I wanted them to bring in a happy. veteran center. They didn't bring it in anybody. Burke is still out there from Minnesota. Uh, here we the go again. The wishful list of uh, right? potential free agents so that nobody signed, that only Charlie wants so to sign. We'll let you go on that note before we go uh, through the entire free agent goodbye, list Charlie. in we NFL go. history. We're, we're yes. over time. So yes, we are go. over time. All right. We're over Charlie, too. <laughs> well, we are over Charlie, too. Yes. Well said, Jeff. <laughs> Very nicely executed. Here's the thing. It, it's not an excuse. The offensive line, Jeff, certainly has to improve, okay? You're never going to be content when you look at 20 rushes for 29 yards. And also, Daniel Jones was your leading rusher yesterday. I don't think you ever want to go into a game when your quarterback is your leading rusher. It's well documented. But I think also, to your point, Jeff, you put a player that had never started a game in college. Forget the NFL, Jeff. He mm -hmm. never started a game in college at center. He was at right guard and right tackle. You ask him now to make the transition to center. He didn't play any preseason games. Is it stunning to think that he was going to have some of his ups and downs? Game number one against a really strong Steelers front? I would say no. Let's see what he does against Chicago. Then he's going to have San Francisco. It's not going to get any easier. But the whole point is to improve, not necessarily think that it's one game and then there's no signs of improvement here moving forward. Yeah, and I, 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 and I'm, I have confidence in Nick Gates. I, I think the coaching staff does too. I know Charlie doesn't. But I think that, you know, give him some time, give him some coaching, give him some – uh, an area where he can, you know, go back and look at what happened. Uh, if you have to simplify some, some things, and I said this in our pregame show, this offense and defense, because of the short time that they had together, the lack of continuity that we d discussed, they've gonna, they just basically have to install their their base offense and defense, and then gradually add to it as they go. Okay, and then, by the way, as you're adding to the offense and the defensive playbooks, you're correcting the mistakes because you've got to be able to do that before you move forward. So we'll see, and we'll see what happens this week against Chicago. All right, that's going to wrap up Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks for the calls. Thanks for the tweets. We'll continue to answer some of your questions off the air as well. Jeff, always enjoy the back and forth. Look forward to doing it again shortly. You got it, Lance. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for the calls. Appreciate it. Brian, thank you on the other side. Absolutely. Great stuff is always behind the scenes. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and always stay locked to Giants.com. Have a good one.